Welcome to the Double Fine Action Podcast. This is a special edition of the podcast with Brad Muir and John Swisshelm talking about the design of Massive Chalice. Brad, what did you guys talk about? Yeah, so like, yeah, we launched a uh, Kickstarter last week for Massive Chalice, a new tactical fantasy game from Double Fine. Uh, I'm super excited about it, and you know, we the game's still very early on, like in pre-production, um, and we appreciate the support. It's been it's been amazing, uh, and you know, we just want to get some more details and kind of show people what we're talking about and like what what the design discussions look like, like sort of like what the current state of the design is. So uh, John and I sat down and uh, with with Paul from Two Player, and we like just kind of filmed a design chat, sort of like a state of the union for where the design's at right now. And uh, they edited it, threw it up, and people requested that like, yeah, this would be a really cool thing to put on the like, you know, iTunes Double Fine Action Podcast stream. So yeah, here we go. All right, so enjoy. Like I only have plaid button-down shirts these days. This is the only thing that I like enjoy putting on my hairy body. Are you filming this yet? Yeah. 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 Ever since you sat down. Oh, oh boy. Awesome. And uh, yeah. Of course, I'd say I think focusing on that because really, like that's the part that that's the part that really sets the game apart from mm-hmm. like. Hey, it's kind of like XCOM and Final Fantasy Tactics, but right. in this fantasy game, that's what it's about. It's it's like the generational aspect that is like awesome and that people are gonna I think that's the part that like people are really drawn to. Yeah, so where because, the characters come from. Yeah, and it has like a lot of there's a lot of the potential in the game to be unique and and the the kind of like generative story part of it, right? The fact that like if you're playing the game there's you know there it's not like a narrative heavy game like it's if you feel like there's a story being told it should feel like your story and like these heroes and you know i yeah i don't know yeah well, someone was asking about basically comparing the comparing it to fire emblem today on the forums and asking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the marital relationships and how connected you feel to them um i think that the key there is we have to you know really strive for we really want people to feel connected to their characters and their marital relationships but without it being a bunch of scripted dialogue and uh, story beats where you know like if this certain character marries a specific person and they get this certain offspring and then there's a story thread and a special mission it's very different than that yeah and that's like that part like that's a totally fine way to go for a game Totally, especially for Fire Emblem. Like Fire Emblem is great, a ton of great dialogue, and, and that's uh, what it's about. But specific characters, it just doesn't seem like uh, it. Just seems like you can achieve a connection to the heroes, to the characters, without having to to do it through just like back and forth dialogue between the two characters. Because I think that's yeah. the thing that really, and it's weird. I think that playing Fire Emblem, if you remove that part of it. I think I would still get attached to the characters because they're fighting together and they're fighting, you know, it's like you're remembering the things that happened. They do, the structure of that game is very different though, right? Like right. if you lose a character, they're gone forever, but I feel like most people just reload it anyway. And it's like, I don't know, that's that's the part that I'm, I'm most excited about with the Epic Timeline stuff is that, um, yeah, because someone was mentioning this on a forum, they were talking about how they really like that perfectionist aspect of Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the, the perfect really, run. Yeah, know, yeah. Like, they love that aspect of the game, like playing the same mission over and over and perfecting it. And I feel like no one gets left behind. Yeah, and like 
again, like that's that's totally a thing, but I feel like that's not really a core piece of of this game. It's like like having to deal with the fact that your characters will age and die. Um, but a perfect playthrough is everyone reaches old age and dies naturally. Yes, yes, and then that's true. We could have we'll have to have something that's kind of memorializing these people. So maybe in your graveyard, you can. You can tell what killed people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd actually be awesome if we, I don't know, you could have some really great epithets on their tombstones as well, like, you know, cut a demon claw in the jugular versus, like, <laughs> died peacefully of old age in his sleep, reared 25 awesome. kids. Yeah, we talked about, like, uh, family tree view, like, mm-hmm. being able to, like, you know, click on a hero and, like, see his kind of, like, current stats and whatever and then, like, drill into his family tree and be yeah. like, oh, yeah, like, I remember those characters. Maybe even be able to, you know, like, click on those, his parents or grandparents or whatever and see them and kind of, like, remember them and be like, oh, yeah, like, that's... Um, and we'll that- have to do that to find their relics, too, right? So... Yes. Who... Yes. If, if relics are about descendants, then, like, which relics can this guy use? And it's like, oh, yeah, his great Uncle Joe... Uh, I, no one's using his relic. It's still in my inventory. Let me go ahead and grab that. But then I have to know that he can he can equip it. Yeah, and that's something that we haven't we haven't talked about Not in time. the public at all. Like I feel like um, I was just talking to talking to some journalists about like how we put some uh, I called them landmines. I called them landmines, but I didn't mean to call them landmines. They were like mysterious nuggets, like mysterious, mysterious nuggets. nuggets that were like. Uh, put you know sprinkled in the Kickstarter, and one of them is the, like the the blood bloodline relics. Like right. like what is that? And like you know it just it sounds really cool, so we kept it in there, and it's this concept that we have. Like so yeah, like when the when the heroes die, having them leave something behind that can be equipped by their children, and like what does that what does that mean, and what does that do, and, right. and whatever. It's like we're still trying to figure that out, but. um yeah, I like I it's like not that be concept. Glasses necessarily. It's not going to be glasses right. and, uh, helmets. and helmets. Yeah, um, but you know, whatever that ends up being, having it, uh, having it, it's it's almost like the. Uh, I was going to say consolation prize. That makes it sound really terrible, but it's well, like it's like the fact that um, it's a way to remember the characters that yeah. you've lost, and also have them still feel important as you like move forward, like that. You know the 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 great granddaughter can equip all these things from her family and that like makes her really powerful in battle and that's like cool it's a way um, to keep up with like the the fact that the demons are like sending tougher and tougher demons and mm-hmm. using like like more intricate technology more powerful technology against your against your guys it's like there needs to be a way of keeping up and like and like in XCOM you've got and and Final Fantasy Tactics both it's like you're leveling up this kind of core group of, of heroes throughout the, the 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 gameplay, and so you, you know that's how you compete with it. And then losing a character is like a, a big deal. It, it is a big deal in those games. Yep. Um, it's kind of up to you whether or not you want to actually live with those consequences. But in Massive Chalice, you should be going through that a lot. Like you'll have characters getting old and passing away, like like a bunch of times throughout your throughout your playthrough. And I'd, I'd love to see relics be more powerful if somebody dies valiantly in battle. So Yes, that's a um, fantastic idea that's so we, come up. I love so that. then you have this interesting thing where you're like, well, maybe I do send somebody to their death. Like, hopefully you don't, you know, we'll make it so you don't game it as, so like, all right, Suicide Squad, <laughs> time to go. But, uh, but you know, having, 
you know, getting that feeling of like, oh man, that guy, he took out three demons and then he, he fell, but he was getting on an age and that was a great way to go. And his son is uh, ready to, to rock and next, that, next round. And, and that part was great. Relic. That part was great because it's really like the having, having the son witness his father's death on the battlefield and having it like enrage him yes. or whatever. Going to like, blood rage. I, I like that, that there could be more um, kind of riffing off of that. The psychological stuff that mm-hmm. they do in, in XCOM. Even, like, outside of the whole, like, psi powers and stuff, there's just, like, a very basic morale system in that game that's mm-hmm. cool. And when, uh, you know, when your squad mates see another, like, squad you get killed, they, like, freak out and might start, like, just cowering or, like, shooting somebody else. Like, I like I like the blood rage thing especially because it feels, um, it feels very positive. You know, I feel like because that's like all that's a very frustrating thing to have your like have your rookies like cowering in fear on the battlefield, like right. doesn't make them feel very heroic when it's happening. Yeah, I had a couple of epic things in the new XCOM where um, like a guy you know just started going nuts shooting somebody, but actually killed like the last alien in the level and won the level for me. And I was like, yes. Another time, one of my guys got uh, mind controlled and then was instantly vaporized by his buddy next to him. He was just so freaked out, he just took a pot <laughs> shot. And it was a great little moment. I mean, it was, it was freaky. Like they have now the very last mission, so I actually played it out. Um, but it was just this great, like, great way to end the game for me. It was mm-hmm. like my team just totally fell apart. Half of them got you know wiped. One of them got you know killed by this other guy, and it was just it was crazy. Um, and so I, I definitely like that game when you like barely scrape through. And then the key is that when you finish that mission and you've just scraped through, that you are able to recover from that through yeah. the systems that we create. So you don't feel like, great, yeah. now i got to play that again so I can get exactly. through with all six exactly. guys. Also, the fact that um, like, I, I did feel like it was very hard to recover from the permadeath yeah. in XCOM when you would lose, uh, you know, when you had all your guys leveled up to max and you would lose one, it's very, very difficult um, to train a new guy up when you were at that late stage of the game. Yeah. But like, I think in Massive Chalice, like, the fact that permadeath is going to happen through aging the system's going to have to be a lot more forgiving. It's going to have to like be, um, yeah. I, I you're guess you're going to have to learn to deal with it too. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be something that you're dealing with all yeah. the time. So embrace death. Yeah, <laughs> that should be that's your tagline. <laughs> Massive challenge. Yeah, that's great. Massive challenge. Embrace, embrace death. <laughs> um, and we should make fun of the person as well. That would be great. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I like that. I uh, see a new poster already. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a tombstone. That's it. <laughs> no, it's uh, the Grim Reaper being like hugged from behind by a, a gamer. So he's, so he's the Grim Reaper's looking a little yeah. This is a awkward, in a really awkward, being embraced, awkward way. Ugh. Yeah, I like that part that um, that the game will have to be very tolerant of it. And I, I did feel like if I ever had a total wipe uh, of an XCOM squad, that was like the fastest way to get it into the yeah. unwinnable state. Yep. Whereas Restart. in this, you could actually see it's like if you take like older heroes into into battle and you do happen to like lose the mission and like have them all get wiped, like you know, if they had children and you were planning correctly, they could grow up and take their place, no problem, and still be very powerful through the like this bloodline system yeah. that we're talking about. And then the relics, the relics on top of that. There's like lots of there's lots of ways to like be resilient and recover from mm-hmm. from like Catastrophe, which is really cool, actually, because because I like that the game can put you, you know, the way that we're talking about it, it can actually put you in those like catastrophic uh, like uh, sequences, and and you can actually like you know pulling yourself out of that like tail like like nosedive is really cool. And if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go, go big, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so pulling out of the tailspin, going big, uh, taking risks. I think the other thing is that I play I played XCOM very cautiously because I didn't want to lose anybody, and mm-hmm. so sometimes I feel like I was tiptoeing around the environment a little bit too much, um, and so like I like to feel uh, a bit more empowered to just kind of go go balls out and know that I'll be able to recover. Um, with you know smart strategy, as long as I set up set up the realm correctly, and I, I take some calculated risks, they should pay off well and it'd be fun yeah. to fun to fun to try that too. Like balancing on the edge is the most fun part about these games. So we've talked about like the the whole that you know the houses and these heroes are from like these these noble houses and bloodlines. You know, the, the bloodlines, yes, I guess we we use bloodlines more than we use houses. Um, and then so the concept is that you'd be able to take one of these heroes. And uh, retire them. I keep using the word retire, and I think that's like a, a pretty poor word because it sounds. It sounds bad. permanent. It sounds permanent. Yeah. It, sound, it also sounds very sad. Um, but it's actually like it should be this really cool thing where you're like, it feels like you as the king or queen, you're like awarding them. Uh, it's like the reward for like right. heroic service for you know fighting the fighting the demons. You're like rewarding them like land and titles, and you're like promoting them to be a lord. And it's they're a gonna, lordship, and they're gonna like manage this area of the realm. Like the way that we've been talking about, there's there are keeps around the realm, and you can um, you can you can send one of these you know one of these heroes, turn them into a lord, install them in this castle in this keep, and then they will uh, when you run the timeline. They will have a chance of like generating children, and we've had we've had different, a lot of different ideas about this, and I think it's really cool that it's still early on, and then it's like, like which way is it going to go? Like I don't know. It's going to be one of these yeah. one of these ways. The initial one was that you would take uh, take a hero, male or female, and ret- and uh, turn them into a lord, and then when you run the timeline, uh, they would sort of take a commoner as their significant other, and then they would have children that have uh, their same last name and they would be of the same class and have the same abilities and roughly the same power level. And then, um, but you could also, uh, through the royal matchmaking, you could arrange a match between uh, a male and a female hero and then when they have children together, um, it, would be, it would be a hybrid class, like have abilities of both of, both of the parents and then it would actually, the child would be stronger. It would be stronger than either of the parents because... You're, you know, it's the it's the child of like two heroic people. So like, right. obviously, the child is like even more, you know, even more powerful, um, and that kind of makes sense. But um, it's about potential there. That right. kind of taking taking two heroes and storing their potential into a third that has, you know, might not come out of the gates uh, as powerful as the parents, but will eventually be able to surpass them. Right. And if you do that for a number of generations, by the end you're gonna have this really cool, um, you know. Power, powering up of your guys at the same time that the game is going to throw more creatures and demons and enemies in weird situations your way. And so by the end of the game, you should have a really badass group of heroes without it just being a straight-up experience curve where you stick with the same guy through the whole game unless he dies. Yeah, yeah. and we had talked about, like, like the thing I like about that system is that it forces you to make these choices of, like, like if you have two empty keeps, you can take... Uh, two heroes and put one in each and then they'll both produce children that are kind of of that same power level or you know it's sort of or you have the choice of like putting them together in one keep uh, so that's the same number of heroes that are that you're that you're taking off the battlefield uh, but you're getting stronger children for the next generation and like that's I think that has like some cool 
decision points there. You know, just like the the risk reward of like, you know, do you are you going to need twice as many children in for the next generation, or do you do you want to try to like consolidate the power and actually have more powerful children? Like that's, I think that part is um, is really cool about that. Uh, but then there was another version of the system that we were talking about. Um, where you have to have a male and a female pairing to produce any kinds of children. So it's, it's always two heroes. It's always a male and a female hero right. uh, to produce children. And actually, this part was really cool, This because this actually gets into some of the questions that people have asked us about. Um, yeah, I think this definitely uh, can, equality, can play into all kinds of stuff. Uh, equality between the sexes, uh-huh. because we did in the video uh, talk about just the immortal king, and then through the, the Raz doodles, we showed... Um, you know, it was like me. It was like he was doodling me as like the king, and then me as the hero. Um, you know, marrying a woman, and you know, whatever. It was just, it was very uh, male centric, like our our video. And I thought that you know that was that was a correction we made in the actual text is that we you know we said, hey, like you will be an immortal king or queen in this game, and the heroes that you're controlling are going to be male and female, uh, and we really don't want to have any differences between the sexes like they're both going to be super badass on the battlefield like killing demons together and it's, and you know whatever like that that part's going to be like no problem and then uh the so that sort of segues into this into this idea uh where it's about installing either a male or female hero first into one of these keys as the head of the household as the head of the house and the founder of the bloodline yeah and that's so so like I would take the I would take John Swisshelm and put him into this keep and now this is a patriarchal Swisshelm oh wait is this different I can't remember we've talked about we've talked about a couple different versions of this so that would be like a patriarchal Swisshelm actually it's not we sort of asked that right because we found a way to make it just totally sex agnostic it doesn't matter so I will take John and I will put him into this into this keep and now this becomes a Swiss helm keep uh, that, you know, and it's always like, it's like there must always be a Stark in Winterfell. That was right. sort of what we were riffing on, right? Like, so there, there always has Swiss to be a Swiss helm. And what, what would your castle be called? Have you, have you thought about this? What would it be this? called? Uh, <laughs> there is actually a Swiss helm mountain in Arizona. Uh, I have not visited. It looks like a big red rock, but... Um, I, when I hear that, it reminds me of Disney World. Kind of like, sure, sure. you know... Um, Space Mountain, but Swiss Helm style. So I'm imagining Space Mountain made of cheese. <laughs> Something like that. We'll have to figure it out. So like, so now this is like the Swiss Helm governed area. Mountain. Of, of the yes. Swiss Helm Mountain is the region uh, and the castle that, that's actually there. And now when you... So now you can take female heroes and marry them into the Swiss Helm family. And then the giggity, children... Giggity. And then the... What? Is it giggly, oh yeah! <laughs> and Thank God for the female and heroes. Then, and then the children that are produced will be Swiss helms. Yep, they will be Swiss helms, and they will follow in your uh, class and your ability As, primarily. Yeah, the like, primary class. Would be so if from you're a fighter, and that's you know, we'll figure out what the classes are going to be later. That's you know, that's tomorrow guy's problem, as we like to say. Uh, we will. Uh, so so I don't maybe we want to say that. <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't. We don't want to go that far. Um, <laughs> But like, so if you're a fighter, this is a, like a fighter household, and we'll marry people into this household, and the children will be fighters, and they will have the Swiss Helm name. You can also do it the other way, where you take, um, you would take a woman, you take a female Swiss Helm, and put her first into the keep. That still creates a Swiss Helm uh, castle and, and keep, 
and house, and now you will marry men into that family. Uh, and the, the children that are produced are Swiss Helms, and they will be fighters just like her. So it's, it's not about... Um, it's not about you know males and firstborn male yeah. child heirs and like all these things. These are the sort of things that people associate with like feudalism and like it's a big part of Game of Thrones and all this other stuff. But um, it really does feel like there's a solution that can you know we can just have it be all about surnames. You know, it's all about the surnames. It's like it's like creating these castles where they're just it's just about the surname. That's it. And then um, in, in in that example where you you know we. We took the. Would we use lady? I was going to say lady, but that's like that seems very terrible. Lords and ladies is like kind of the it, terminology. Yeah, it's I feel tough, like we'd have but to it's also my favorite stick song. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah. But terminology if we started with lazy, yeah, lady Swiss yeah. Helm, and then uh, you know, say, uh, and then we married a Schaefer into that family. This is getting know. weird. Yeah, it is getting weird, isn't it? Um, but then say they had like uh, three sons. Right, so then they grow up, and now they're um, they're of age, and they're fighting on the battlefield for you, and that's cool. Uh, when Lady Swisshelm passes away, one of the sons, one of the sons, because they have the surname. Yes, exactly, because the to. house is all about exactly. the surname. So we haven't really figured out what happens to Mister Schaefer in that in that scenario, right? If he outlives her. He's sort of deposed, and he has to come back to the battlefield. That's what we were thinking, right? Or, or the, he can he can be in Schaefer Mansion, or you know, sure, like, sure. Like there would be a Schaefer line, and as long as he still mm-hmm. held that keep, he would be a possible heir of that. Sure. Um, so yeah, so like you you know, and that and that really helps us do this this hybrid class system if we go this route, where uh, Schaefer can be a archer and Swisshelm can be a fighter, and so the primary class of the of if. If Schaefer marries into Swiss Home, this is just, sounds so weird. <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, forgive me, this Tim. This is the best. Yeah, this is the best. He's gonna watch this and be really and be really excited. If if Schaefer the Archer marries into family Swiss Home, which is the fighter family, then you get fighters who have some archer abilities. Yeah, sort but, of like a ranger, like right? a ranger. You get out of that, which would be um, cool. But if you flip it the other way around, where you you marry a Swiss Home into the you know or a fighter into the archer family. Then you get an archer with some secondary fighter abilities, yeah. which would be more, uh, yeah, again, like a more long-ranged version of a ranger. Um, which we, yeah, what did we call that? We had like a, it was kind of like Robin Hood. I think we had that. Yeah, um, we had. It was like a Robin Hood kind of dude. Uh, but that was cool. So that was yeah. th- this was a big riff off of um, the Final Fantasy Tactics job system, where yes. you are always a, you always have a primary job in that game, and then you have like a secondary active ability that you can learn from a different job and bring over into your current one. And then they also had some other stuff, like your reactionary abilities, yep. your movement abilities, things like that. Um, and those, I feel like those things, those things are interesting too, these sort of like like passive traits. Those things are, are maybe ripe for some of the like recessive genes and things that come, come down like through the lines or whatever. But really, really we were focusing on like your primary job has like these active actions that you that you can do. These are these things you can perform on the battlefield. And everyone from one bloodline will have the potential of having those. And that's cool. Right. But their secondary nature right, because will be like from... Swiss Helm is the fighter household. Right. So they're all gonna be fighters. And like that's 
I think that's very cool, and it's like like tying those things together is is pretty sweet. That it's like you know uh, oh, we can have color represent the classes in some way, um, and you know you can always know that your fighters are going to like be wearing this color of cloth on the battlefield or something like that, and that's very cool. And you know it, it it has a cool legacy kind of thing where like all the Swiss helms are always you know they're always fighters primarily, but depending on who. The, the mother or father was, you know, depending on who the non-Swiss helm was in the, in the line, right, as you go up the thing, that's where the, the secondary abilities come from. So yep. you'll, have, you'll have many different flavors of Swiss helm fighters throughout the, through, you know, as the bloodline continues. Just like in real life. <laughs> and that's really My cool. father was a mage. Because having, the so one, you know, having mage. one that can heal, and you're like, oh, cool, like, that guy's kind of like a paladin, you know? And I don't know if we need to call it out, because I thought that was something very cool about Final Fantasy Tactics, is that if you were a white mage, and then you became a, a knight, you were like, oh, this guy's kind of like a paladin. Like, yep. he, can, he can fight, and he can wear armor, he's got swords, but then he can also cast healing magic. That's very cool, you know? Um... But then you could also, you know, you could have them learn black magic instead. And it's like, oh, that's a very different kind of character, even though he's primarily a knight. And so I, I think that's a, that's a very cool way. And it also gets us away, one of our other ideas was a more matrix-based approach, where it was like, okay, if your mother was this and your father was, mother was this class, your father was this class, what does that make you? You're a totally different class that, you know, comes from both of them. And that was like... I, I mean, I feel like, and that's where I think that's where we had the ranger from. It's like right. if your if your mother's an archer and your father's a, a fighter, though it's like okay, you're a ranger, you can use a bow, but then you'll have totally different, you know, totally different abilities, and you'll be a different thing. And then, yeah, and and that was an interesting thing. But I feel like uh, the number of classes is less uh, scalable. It's a lot harder to just add right. a brand new class because then we have to add it to the matrix, and then you know, adding one class is actually adding. You know, yeah, a cross section for every single other, other yeah, class. Yeah, because we so, have to we have yeah. to make a hybrid version uh, by crossing it with every other class in the entire game, and then it just kind of makes this like really untenable matrix that's, that's huge. Right. Well, we also, I mean, with the the, the previous example with uh, kind of hybrid classes, we can we can still do something like if you have a fighter and an archer together, then maybe that special skill that comes out is specific to that pairing. But it sure. means that we can develop that specifically for that pairing and not have to. Um, yeah, it'll allow us to like make these things more modular, and so we can add them in much easier. Yeah, th- and that's really cool too. Thinking about, um, I don't know what we would call them, but having like you know the the hybrid powers or the union mm-hmm. powers or something. I don't know because they are also going to reference um, like if the if your class is your house primarily, then it also has this really cool feeling of like oh, it's these two houses coming together through marriage and having children it actually unlocks like these special abilities and I think that's really cool thinking about yeah. the um, and yeah we talked about this with, with Game of Thrones where it's like you know like the warring families are great and but it's sort of like everybody's a jerk a lot of people are jerks in that in that world and it's you know there's a lot of like backstabbing and stuff that happens um, but we really like the you know what does that world look like when the supernatural stuff finally sort of is unleashed upon it and thinking about like oh what if they all had to work together kind of thing mm-hmm. to combat the um, the like supernatural threat and that's kind of like the I, I like that as the, the premise for the game where you have all these like very traditional houses that are not that are you know kind of separated and maybe maybe they don't even like each other at the beginning of the game but 
then through through marriage you're kind of like unlocking these things and it's like it really has like a cool kind of like coming together feeling mm-hmm. that that is I, I think cool and will actually again come through in the gameplay not so much like just through the real you know narrative just pounding it through but but through the gameplay you're actually like feel like you're bringing these people together to to, to fight this this threat I think that could be I think it's cool. It's one of the most exciting things about Massive Chalice to me is actually like being able to create and then live out what I hope will happen in Game of Thrones someday <laughs> when eventually, you know... Yeah, let's hope our The Targaryen, you know, yeah, like everything yeah. kind of works out and then they can f- actually fight against the White Walkers instead of fighting each other and who knows? Maybe the, maybe the whole point of Game of Thrones is that the whole realm just gets destroyed and uh, you probably shouldn't have been stabbing each other in the back the whole time. <laughs> sure. um, but I don't know. Like, I, I love to play that scenario. That's a really cool scenario to me. And so... Uh, we've talked about like this starting out, you know, being in various states, uh, in you know, within this timeline when the game starts, and that you have to um, unite the kingdom and then you know fight against this uh, otherworldly invasion. And what does that mean? How can we you know make that a really interesting and um, unique experience every time you do it? Uh, we've got a lot of thoughts and ideas there, and and we'll be playing with it. But that's the the core of it is that like you. You know, every time you start a new campaign in this game, you'll have some different pieces on the board, and that's what's going to make it fun. I and mean, we play a lot of board games here, and I think uh, a lot of my favorite board games have um, even even like the kind of basic random tile placement in Settlers of Catan or something. Like, um, it takes a long time to get burned out on that game. It goes such a long way for the replayability. The fact yeah. that like the board is different every time, it's like it's and awesome. your skills transfer over. Like, you know that these particular. Like you can start, you better start a game of Master Chalice and be like, okay, wow, I've got a lot of really strong fighters, but I don't have much of the way of mages, or I've only got one in my, you know, my stable of dudes right now. So I'm really going to need to make that person ahead of a, a line and get them established quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might just change your playstyle for that playthrough, where you really want to focus down these other paths you haven't tried before. Uh, I think it's cool. There's going to be a lot of different ways to play this game. That's yeah. I hope that that really ends up being the kind of predominant thing where it's like you're you're starting heroes. And that's and th- and that's something maybe we have a message like the way that we're thinking about it is mm-hmm. that when you start the the playthrough it'll either be like, you know, the end of the civil war or like the initial demonic invasion and it's kind of like the realm is kind of messed up. Um, but you'll have this handful of heroes that lived through whatever setup event causes the start of the game and they're yeah, they're all going to be from different houses and they'll be different ages. You might have like you know, a baby, <laughs> like have a baby Swiss helm. Um, and Put then, him in the house. <laughs> and then, or you might have some very old heroes that only last through the very, like, you know, initial stages mm-hmm. of the game. Um, and, you know, making an attempt to, like, try to preserve their bloodline before they're, they, they pass away. Like, I, I just think there's a lot of different things that, that can make the initial state very interesting and, and take you in directions. Again, the, coming back to kind of the improvisation thing, the fact that, like, you know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna start with just like a perfect set of heroes. It's like these will be kind of I don't know. I was about to say leftovers. That makes it sound so terrible. Not the leftovers. They'll be the battle hardened survivors of you know whatever the the startup the setup is. And like I think that's really cool that it can be like all over the place as opposed to like you know the group of your like rookies in XCOM where it's like you always start and you've always got just like these, you know, kind of like a group of a bunch of rookies and you just use those guys and you build them up from there. Um, it's kind of cool that, you know, you can have a bunch of guys that have different levels of, of experience and different skills and, you know, a bunch of different classes and you kind of have to like really look at what you're being given and kind of kind of decide what direction you're going to go in. 
Um, and then, do you want to? I think that. Do you want to talk about some of this stuff? We like, can talk some about these, some of the some of these things that uh, it's been so awesome. Like, like, I mean, how long has it been up? Like thirty six hours, not even. Yeah, we got At pages point. of responses. Yeah, of people getting really excited about different things we could put in the game, especially uh, when it comes to the family stuff and legacy. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to get, you know, when, when they're going to see their bloodline in the game, they're going to want uh, that to be interesting and really live out a lot of these interesting uh, dynamics yeah. that happen in Game of Thrones. You know, even if we're not going into this super political thing, but the, um, some of the stuff that was mentioned uh, recently was just like, oh yeah, can we have twins? Can we have, um, uh, can we sire bastard children? Uh, what does that mean in the game, and you know how are they treated? How are they different? What are, what are their stats like? I mean, that's that's really cool. Um, what else are we talking about? Uh, yeah, and that's and that's really weird. Like having um, oh, we had talked about some people talked to, about how they really they really enjoy that system in Fire Emblem where mm-hmm. your your heroes like and dislike. Well, I don't even know if they have dislike. It's in Fire Emblem. It's more about sort of everyone starting at a base level of just like not knowing yeah. each other very well, and then they you know you build it up. Uh, through the through, course of like yeah. fighting, through supporting each other, and supporting yeah, each other, it's, it's in, a in support combat. system. It's it's very cool, like the way that that works, and they have those little hearts, that, those little cute pixelated hearts that come up. Like I totally love that part, um, and it's like I think that part is very cool. And having you know, if you have a, a male and a female hero that have like a high, like like. Wow, what do they call it? Actually, I forget. I forget the term. I think for it the is like system. support. Like you have the support it's just levels. The support level. I think. You, know, I don't you need remember. to get into yeah. S rank because it's a yeah. Japanese game. It's all so awesome that it goes S- up to S, S-, S- rank, S- and then uh, and then you know, you get to the S rank, and then they can have like kids. But like it's only one layer deep. Like I kind of like that you'd have generations of, you know, maybe these two families are are you're you're kind of like guiding them together over mm. the generations or something. There's there's just some really cool things that come out of come out of that. Uh, and, and backers have brought up all kinds of uh, interesting scenarios and topics, things that we've been talking about a lot. Um, we talked about like the gender equality earlier, but um, also like, yeah, can we have uh, same-sex relationships in this game, and what does that mean? Uh, can you have um, other things that a couple of heroes can provide to the kingdom yeah. other than just kids? And that was and, that was a fantastic suggestion, um, and it's like really cool. Like we want to be super inclusive with the game and make sure that like. People don't feel like left out or, or whatever. That's uh, yeah. It's just it's this just create a really cool simulated world where uh, you you have these pieces to kind of put some interesting spin on the story that you want to tell with your kingdom and try things in some different ways. So um, I think that uh, like that's interesting. Like um, you know, does does incest or inbreeding is that allowed? You know, we could sure. we could code that out. Like no, like you have to be of a certain like you know three you know. Three relative distance away from anybody that you you couple with, or we could we could let that in there, and then you decide if that's something that you want to play with. Maybe that sure. creates some problems for that line if you if they're very incestuous. <laughs> but I mean that that's got a ton of historical and fictional basis, so yeah. um, that's interesting. I don't it's know. weird too, like thinking about you know that kind of like medieval feudal sort of era, and then trying to uh, leach out a lot of the like weird sexism out of it you know because it was like not not the best time for being a woman in society I think like it was and actually you know what it makes me think about um, on Iron Brigade like we were we were getting those using those men's magazines and like Mm -hmm. those are brutally sexist like when you look at those things they're like painful to look at like a lot of them but you know just trying to pull as much out of that while keeping the aesthetic and and, and I think with this like keeping the setting but 
but trying to have it be more inclusive and feel more modern and stuff. And I think there are ways to do it. Like, I like that idea of, like, you know, if you do want to take um, uh, two heroes of the same sex and put them into into a keep together, um, they don't, like, they won't be able to produce children, but maybe maybe couples don't have to just produce children for you. And that's that's been really interesting because thinking about um, researching stuff, you know, researching the demonic technology, I had envisioned that all being in sort of like the capital, you know, like like where the um, where you as the player, as the king or queen, sort of reside, and where uh, where the massive chalice will be. Spoilers. Um, Why you know, like, massive chalice? <laughs> like that will be that will be in the capital, and I, I had kind of assumed that like you know all of your scholars would like be there like researching the stuff you know kind of independently of the of the bloodline stuff. But you know we're trying to push so much into the bloodline system that maybe this is something that could be there too, and you can actually have couples, um, same sex or not, focused rather than like you know making children, they can focus on researching the technology and advancing sort of your, yeah, advancing your technology so that you can fight the demons better. So you could totally have a same-sex couple of mages that are researching, you know, like some very specific new spell or like new technology that will help you. And it's, yeah, it's like that can totally exist within the fiction of the game and it can exist within the mechanics of the game as well. And it's, it just seems like this, this inclusive thing that we can do and it's like, why... Why not? And this is and this is a great example of things where it's like, you know, if we were, you know, a couple of white dudes, if we were, you know, going to design this game, uh, like if we had gotten publisher white funding, white dudes with glasses, game, white yeah. dudes with glasses are designing this game, uh, and it's like, you know, we get publisher funding, and then we go underground and we design the game ourselves, you know, in mostly a vacuum, and then we come up for air and announce the game. It might not have these kinds of you know these kinds of issues it might actually have these problems because it's like you know white male privilege is you know walking around you know designing video games like so I think it's really cool that we can like interact with the community right now before we've made these decisions and like put these flags in the ground because sometimes it's just like you're not even aware that you're that you're um, you know I was going to say offending people. I don't know if it's like really offensive, but yeah, I mean maybe maybe it is. Just or you're excluding people. I think that's excluding. that's really the best the best yeah. way to think about it is that it's like it's like through your game design you can you can easily exclude people that are awesome and that you would really like to play the game, but they just they just don't feel like they can relate to it or be a part of it, and that's um, that's really terrible. Like I so it's cool that we can we can we can maybe avoid that by like getting the community involved and, like, talking to them directly, like, right away. Um, and, like, yeah, this thing isn't even funded yet. So hopefully we get to make yeah, it. But, hopefully. Um, uh, but we'll, yeah, like, in every simulation you make, um, you know, the rules that you make for the simulation have a message inherent in them, whether you choose to, for it to have it or not. And that message can, can be, like, oh, we're just going to kind of take some historical basis of male-dominated feudalism, which actually uh, there's a lot of different ways that... Um, you know, heritage and lineage was done um, in the medieval era. Like, you know, where did the women in the house fall on on the list of succession was very different depending on where you were in the world, which sure. is kind of interesting. Um, and there are some places where, like, like uh, you know, like the younger, like younger, your younger, the um, the children of a de- deceased brother would have succession before like that brother's wife or his sister, and. 
That's just interesting. Like, you know, we could go very realistic, like, uh, you know, historical with that, or we can uh, do something neat. This is a fantasy. This is our world. This is, like, maybe even an ideal way that some of these relationships could have been set up, where, um, you know, there's a a man or a woman, two men, a man and a woman can run a household and contribute to the kingdom, contribute resources, technology, and uh, and then we're, you know, it's not that we're necessarily... um, we're just basically like, yeah, like, wouldn't that be, that'd be a world that I'd rather live in and sure. create. Yeah, and it would, I mean, it would certainly be a more inclusive world where, you know, that, where people would want to go, you know, right, like, I mean, in the year 2013, mm-hmm. like, it's just, yeah, it, it seems, it seems to make sense. And, and you want your characters to, yeah, you want some badass uh, female warriors? That's awesome. That's great. Run with that. If you don't, then that's fine. You're going to be able to, you know, take that simulation and the game mechanics and run with it in the way that you want to. Again, making different playthroughs different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love people to have lots of stories that they tell about their playthroughs. It's something that I loved when we were all playing XCOM and FTL. Like, people would come in every day and be like, oh, my God, this is what happened to me last night, and it was so great. And, you know, like, my, in my game, Chris Remo got, you know, sucked out into space. Well, in my... In my game, Chris Remo got invaded and then got killed. Like, Chris Remo died in all of our FTL he games. He totally died in everybody's um, game. It was the best. But he died differently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some people maybe maybe got Chris Remo to the very end and then died at the boss in FTL because that's pretty much where yeah, I that's, 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 that's pretty much what you do um, in that game, yeah. But it was awesome. Made for great emergent stories. And I think that the, the bloodlines uh, are a great way to do that, too. We're going to be like, oh, yeah, like your, your family popped up in my game. And here's... Here's how I drove your dynasty into the ground, or sure. <laughs> how I, I made sure that you guys were like the most amazing ninja archers and that the realm has ever seen. And um, and then I, you know, married you into this other clan, and you know now you're a great support class. Yay! Um, but that's that's cool, especially if we can tie in some other interesting that's random cool. bits with like. And we talk about like the Oregon Trail effect of like, you know, yeah, oh, you got dysentery. That was something that we had talked about. Um, you know, like like just you know how simulationy are we going to get? And mm-hmm. people brought that up, and I just like Oregon Trail's fantastic. And there's all this like like that game's all about monkey wrenches, right? Like that's mm-hmm. all about throwing monkey wrenches at you, and you have to like kind of work through all of these like horrible challenges that the game is throwing at you. And um, yeah, I, I think that that stuff. That stuff can totally have a place in in this game, where when you're running the simulation, like you know somebody gets some kind of disease and it actually like shortens their life by a certain number of years, or like you know sudden heart attacks, or like things that you have to you you know just again like throwing monkey wrenches into your into your design into your plans as the player that you'll have to react to and like and see if you can recover from. And I think that's that's something that's really awesome, like improvising on the fly in the face of like these weird things that are happening is is a part that's great about um, about roguelikes but then also I, I kind of think of this as like a long form roguelike mm. I don't even know if that's a thing but like XCOM feels that way to me where it's like an individual playthrough is quite long um, but there is still that you know it, there's that tension that you could get it into an unwinnable state and then have to start over uh, from scratch but there's enough randomness and procedural stuff in it that it's you know it's not the end of the world if you have to if you have to restart. Things will swing your way, you know. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing in, in board games as well, you know. Like with um, there is a lot of randomness and and you know just because it's a popular example, but look at Settlers of Catan. But because there's so much randomness, it eventually evens itself out and patterns emerge that you can take advantage of in terms of like your skill will a skilled player will on average be able to to do better than an unskilled player. 
Um, and, in, and in a game like this, yeah, like you may have uh, some, a bad year or two in your lineage, but um, hopefully it'll, if you persevere and use what you've learned and use your skills, then you'll be able to come out of that triumph. Or you can start over and do it again, and it'll be different. Yeah. You'll, you'll be even better next time. So yeah. I think um, we've also talked about there's not a lot of people asking about game length. Uh, and one of the things I liked about XCOM is that they did have a the, the marathon mode that you could click on, and then it would change kind of the time scale of things. You have mm-hmm. more missions in between um, some of the major story beats, and, and it would take a little longer to play. And I think that it'd be awesome if we could do that too, because uh, I think some people will will want a twenty hour campaign, and some people want a three to four hour campaign. And um, if we can make the systems flexible enough to support at least a little bit of variance there, that'd be awesome. I, I love that. You know the feeling of this could be. This is kind of like this, um, you know, feudal fantasy simulator that you can kind of tweak and and, and toggle at the beginning to make sure it's kind of like in Civilization those games, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not necessarily Definitely. even about difficulty. It's not easy, medium, hard. It's like, yeah, I want a game that's not going to last five months. I'm gonna I want to get through this so I can have that great you know timeline progression. Yeah, I think we can support that. And it's and it's really interesting. Like, yeah, I I think that there there totally has to be a way to figure that out and support it but when the time is actually linked to the character's age and they're coming mm-hmm. and going that's that's going to be really interesting like, yeah. I don't know I mean it's just another like awesome design challenge to try to solve you know but um, yeah I think that because it is such a core mechanics focused game like I, I mean it's, it's a little bit weird since it's so early on mm-hmm. but like I think that it's you know it can easily be in that eight to twelve hour range, no problem. Like for for a single playthrough, and then we have some really cool ideas about replayability, yep. but we're not talking about those. Not yet. Um, but just to kind of ways to link your playthroughs if you want to do if you do want to really invest and like go through the game multiple times and like how can we how can we reward you and like offer cool stuff and we're we're thinking about that. Let's we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, too early for new game plus. There was. Uh, uh, do you want to? Hey, do you want to wrap this up? Are you putting this up raw? So this part right here, where I'm talking to the camera, be like, hey, yeah. we'll be we'll be in there. We can talk about other reference games, um, some other stuff from the forum posters. We've got about ten minutes. Uh, I like the the. Um, Demon, we didn't. Talk, I was about to bring up Demon Technology and it polluting the bloodline, and that being a part of the same system we were talking about with like inbreeding. I was trying to. I was going to try to move it away from that, but didn't get there. <laughs> but basically, like if we have, you know, if we have the ability. For bloodlines to become uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. advantaged or disadvantaged, uh, corrupted or polluted, or um, to have we you call them perks and quirks, yeah, perks and quirks, uh, which are kind of like that. Got to come up with a better name than um, that, but that's that's kind of hilarious. Um, and it lets us do things like you know, did you did something traumatic happen to this individual that altered their fundamental DNA that will change them their in their bloodline if they have children, you know, sure. from here on out. And I think it's really interesting. Yeah, and that like that whole perks and quirks thing that that's just a way of the fact that you know you, you're going to get invested and attached to the individual characters, but um, you know they're gonna they're gonna come and go like you know like but you're also going to get invested in that like bloodline. You'll be like, oh, like this Swiss Helm is you know this is this is Jonathan Swiss Helm and he's whatever he's sort of like the the guy that you're used to, but then your 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 daughter like has a different. Advantage or disadvantage or something that you'll that you'll have to deal with and be like, oh, you're a fighter household, so she, your your daughter is a fighter as well, but she's like, um, 
she's spry or something, you know, so like right. she can run faster, but she has less hit points or something, you know, there's She'll like, probably just have asthma. <laughs> she's asthma. She, that, yeah, that's a great, that one right there. That's, I mean, cause we you like this, this idea is still very early and we Equip haven't inhaler. Even, we haven't even been like, um, we haven't even had like a brainstorming session on like, what are the, you know, what would perks and quirks be mm-hmm. like, what, what are they? Um, but asthma is an amazing one, you know. Just the fact that, like, you know, they get winded, so they can't move as far, and it's like, oh, well, like porof- porphyria, the uh, vampire disease. That one's <laughs> kind of interesting. Like, stay stay out of the sunlight, um, oh, or you know, the the greatest one if we have swamp like terrain is is webfoot. So <laughs> web if you're on you're so on you normal terrain, terrain, you're terrain, you're like minus two fast. to speed. But in swamps, you're awesome. <laughs> super fast. And so then you can just be like, okay, I'm going to make sure I breed this into this house. So whenever I have a battle but in the just, swamps. It's a super cool way to, um, to differentiate characters of the same bloodline. Like, right, like through the timeline, you're going to see, you know, four or five generations mm-hmm. of Swiss helms. Or like, you know, we're not sure how long it's going to be. You know, three to five is kind of the ballpark generation-wise. But if they all have... Uh, their own unique like perks and quirks that differentiate them. You won't, you know, you're not just getting these like carbon copies right. that you're like, yep, yeah, well, the Swiss Helms are fighters. It's cool. It doesn't matter if I'm in generation two or four, whatever. They're all kind of the same. They're just fighters. But like, you know, giving them these like these like small advantages and disadvantages is like a really cool way of making sure that like you're invested in not only the bloodline but also like these individual characters. Especially when you know you get a guy that has all perks, you know you get a you get one hero that really peeks out, where you're like, "Whoa, that guy's awesome," or you know having the like, "Oh man, nearsightedness like, like, and totally, asthma, totally yes. quirky, quirky version <laughs> of the of the Swiss Elm fighter." That's like, be like, "Man, he was not, you know, she is just not as good as her mom," like kind of feeling, and that's really cool because you know those things can skip a generation and whatever. Yeah, it's all it's a very cool kind of system. Let's do like dormant and recessive traits as well, potentially where there could be some very rare yep. things that could be really beneficial um, that pop up every now and then. I think that's, that's really cool. And then we also talked about like the whole. So that was another one of those nuggets that we that we dropped in there was the um, landmine nuggets. The, the consequences of the the demonic artifacts, right? Like. Uh, that you'll be able to like in the tactical section, like you know, killing these demons and, and recovering their technology, and then and then researching it. Um, you'll you'll be able to use it, but like, do you want to? Because it's all going to come at a price. It's all going to have like these these consequences associated with it. Uh, and I think that having that be purely mechanical is is one way to to go. Like that's the start where you're like, oh, it's like you know the the demon's blade arm and you get to like graft it onto a hero's arm and it's like you know it, it has severe gameplay consequence like so it's really powerful it's super strong sword like high crit chance or something sounds kind of demonic has a high crit chance um, but you're it, not like, able to write with that hand anymore <laughs> but it's like sending letters between kingdoms you know it's like bound it's like bound to his arm and it like you know it, it really like um you know, like your your max HP is lowered by a lot, or like your armor is is way lower mm. when you use this this weapon, or, or you become sterile, or you become sterile. So that's the other thing is that like you know taking it. So that would be like affecting the mechanics of the actual tactical section, mm. but you know having that stuff bleed into the strategic section, so that it's you know we talk about the tainting the bl- tainting the bloodlines and like what does that mean? Like like one yeah the most extreme one is like where it's like well you know you use this demon tech and now you're sterile like you can't actually have children anymore like that's you know if you were planning on taking this this character and 
you know, retiring them to one of these keeps and having children and continuing their line, like, you wouldn't be able to do it anymore. And there's also, like, if we do have that, that perks and quirks system, like, tainting the line might just produce higher numbers of quirks so that you just, like, you know, it's like your children are only quirky from here on out, and it's like they're gonna, and then those, you know, maybe there are severe Webbed foot asthmatics. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it's like even worse than that, where they're, you know, rather than getting powerful over time, your your bloodline starts sort of like waning. It's like they're, your children are getting weaker over time. Right. It's like, um, which could be kind of devastating to, to your playthrough down the road, you know, like that's, I think that's really cool, like all those things of, of having it be tempting. Because again, like I, I like this feeling of, you're dealing with like your imperfect squad of heroes going into the fight, and if you get attacked at kind of the wrong moment, um, you you might have a bunch of heroes that have sort of awkward ages for fighting, where like some of them are really old, and then you only have a couple that are really young, and like none of them are sort of in that peak area where you really want them to be. So yeah, you might take somebody and you know strap the demon sword on and be like, sorry, like. Uh, you know, because you really need to win that fight. Like, it's sort of cool to have this this tempting consequence laden option that's available to you throughout the game. And like, what you know, what does that mean in the tactical stuff, and what does that mean in, mm. in the strategy stuff? I, I think that's um, that's like a super a super interesting part of the game to me is that like, yeah, just having the the temptation like always there, uh, and because you've you've totally got that short term gain versus the long term long-term game going on. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff we could do with that. Um, and we talked about just juxtaposing the demonic technology with uh, bloodline relics that uh, maybe, you know, by going the more arcane route, you've forsaken your ancestors, and so they're not going to be able to help you out with this character. Um, and so in that example of I've got two young guys and two old guys, then maybe I really invest heavily in the young guys by putting all of the relics I can on them, um, make them you know, go into battle fighting alongside their ancestors, basically. And the old guys, I kind of just... Uh, maybe they have, to, they have to bite the demonic bullet. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, you know... Um, all, all heroes die. But not all heroes get a giant, freaking awesome blade <laughs> arm. So... Biting the demonic bullet. That is... Um, that's amazing. We should have demon bullets. I like I like the idea of demon bullets. I don't know if it's they're not fireballs. I don't know if yeah, they're they're demon they're bullets. Demon bullets. Seriously? Yes. Um, there, was there anything else that we wanted to cover? Have to wrap it up. Yeah. Wrap it up. Oh, I just want to talk uh, real quick about um, one of the great things about reading the response on uh, Kotaku and NeoGaf, and on our forums and on the Kickstarter page, like. People seem uh, to bring in lots of other games uh, as inspirations, yeah, yeah, influences yeah. Uh, that we were familiar with. We played some of them, but that weren't the first things that came to mind. So, and also learning a bit about things. Like, I've definitely had to go back really and be like, cool. what is this Venus and Braves game? Venus and Braves, yeah. Um, yeah, or uh, Record of Argus Roar. Uh, just these like PS2, PS3, um, Japanese tactical games uh, that I haven't, I haven't played too much of them. I've played yeah. Disgaea. Played Final exactly. Fantasy Tactics, me too, me too. Um, and so it's been great. So I really appreciate people bringing up these other games. I'm like we're both kind of diving into Crusader Kings two right now, and just trying to figure out like where you know where some of the balance will lie because uh, our st- strategy layer is going to be important and really going to impact the way you do the tactical layer. Um, but it's not going to be super micromanaging. We're trying to avoid we're trying yes. to avoid that. I think yeah. like yeah, I mean playing Crusader Kings, the depth and complexity that they have 
is amazing. Like just try, and it's daunting uh, for a new oh, player. Yeah. Like just looking at it, being like, "Wow, it's it's tremendous." The the number of things, but you know, they don't have a tactical layer. So it's like you know, thinking about like we want to make sure that it's it's a little bit more streamlined than Crusader Kings because like like there's a whole other side of the game where you're going to be fighting these battles and stuff. So yeah, it's like it's like looking at all these all these games for for influences. Like it's awesome looking at all of them, and it's yeah. really cool that people are like like oh man, it sounds like this other game that is totally obscure that I love that you should check out, and we're like sweet, we will, you know, Definitely. like awesome. Well, like find we'll, a fan we'll, translation. Check yeah. that out, yeah. But it's like. Um, yeah, that's that's just been another cool thing of like interacting with the community right now mm-hmm. is that they are seeing aspects of things that they have played and loved in the design that we're bringing forth, and that's like super cool because I want I want to play those games that they're bringing to the table, and you know so that we can speak directly to it. Like, is it like Record of Igor's War? Is that how you say that? I don't even. Do we know how to say that, it? First? I don't even that's know how to say it. Question. That's a great thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, is it how how much like it that game is it? It's like I've never played that game. Like, like I want to play that game, and then we can we'll be able to tell you like what like how in the ballpark it is. Wouldn't it be weird if it's literally exactly like this game? It's not. You play a record record of Air Force, and it's like <laughs> wow, this is just like an uh, this is an anime version of Massive Chalice. Like, shit, we should we should probably go back to the drawing board in some ways. Um, I bet it's not. No, it's no. No, this. I mean, this will be its own its own beast too. Like, um, you know, just because there's uh, influences that that we're drawing from that people connect with that we connect with, um, the, the journey of this is going to be awesome. It's, I can't wait to see how how this turns up. It's going to be um, sweet. It's going to be yeah. sweet. That's it. Sweet. Cool.